for the, your new our studio yet no we don't um uh maybe uh how about tortured tiger studios <laughs> that that's not bad honestly yeah because mac has a has a hanging a, a nice lovely tapestry of a tiger <laughs> that looks like it's had all of its limbs broken <laughs> and it's screaming in agony <laughs> um, I'll, I'll show i'll show you later uh jake and you know not to spill the beans but we do actually have another vaunted guest episode with a really special guest um joining us here in the i guess we were calling it the future's out bunker before but yeah uh, torture tiger studios bunker um we've invited someone else has been given the passcode uh they've been uh vetted and uh we have taken several of their family members hostage as collateral uh and ironically it's 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 my family member it's it's my brother jake uh jake how you doing man i'm doing well yes the extra disembodied voice you heard uh is indeed real it's not in your head i'm here (laughs) um enjoying the familial connection uh even though it is uh about an entire country away coming to you guys from the west coast and doing yeah jake's coming from from tortured tiger studios west um where I actually recorded a, an episode when I was, uh, which you may remember as being absolutely violently unlistenable in audio <laughs> quality several months ago. Um, but uh, when I was, I was essentially taking refuge at, um, at my, our West Coast base. But um, yeah, we have Jake here today because he's going to lend, uh, you know, just uh his his expertise in a few areas that we um we wanted to touch on yeah that fall outside of our vast but admittedly not um infinite knowledge uh, between mac and i it's a small limit there i mean like we are just we it's know pretty, pretty damn much good. everything we're, but, pretty, uh, we're fucking getting there but no dude super stoked that you could be here man really yes we, welcome uh, welcome to the pod it's been Jake. a long time coming for sure yeah ha- happy to be here and i i will make no excuses for my audio i know it'll be buttery smooth as the person oh, yeah. doing any of the production <laughs> work i can guarantee that to <laughs> well, today so. you heard it here first folks uh um, you have my good word but yeah, it's when it is if it's wrong it's uh probably <laughs> le- as usual my fault um Go ahead, Mac. Yeah, I was just gonna say before we get going, because um, I'm gonna give Jonah have his, uh, his, uh, his his typical spiel of what we do here. But um, you know, rather than us try to interpret for you, Jake, what your thing is, what's uh, you know, what's kind of like your interests and shit. What are you kind of looking to talk about today? Oh, well, my thing. <laughs> if you want uh, to know about to my put thing, Jake on the spot. No, um, uh, I've you know, I'm kind of a maybe a little too unfocused at times, but I've got a lot of interest, but maybe the, the reason you 
you wrestled me up for today was my background in architecture. Actually, licensed architect working out here in California right now, um, but also just lover of all things tech. Um, a little bit of interest in that cryptocurrency space. You probably heard a yeah. thing or two about that on the show. Um, but, you know, extending out to electronics, uh, music, nerdy stuff like anime and games. I, I kind of like a little bit of all of it. Hell yeah. Jake's basically the the platonic ideal of, of the future is our <laughs> listener I'm everything that's wrong with this country. Everything that's wrong <laughs> with, with our current, with the world, yes. No, I think Jake's a perfect example of someone who is engaging in the best, most healthy possible way with a deeply, deeply sick world by just mostly enjoying the fruits and, um, you know, uh, taking the, uh, taking the, the, the blighted, um, you know, uh, bile of this world with, a you know, good sense of, uh, uh, cynical, uh, you know, je ne sais quoi. Um, well, that, I, that may be the best. That may be the the best take I've ever gotten. So thank you. I Hell guess yeah. that's that's what yeah. brothers are for. <laughs> hey, dude. It's a it's a we, you know, we've 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 long since uh we've long since realized that quarreling is is fool is a fool's errand. What we really need to do is join forces. Um. Well, that's sick. We're we'll um definitely get into kind of some of the stuff we were just talked about before. But you know, for listeners, hey everybody. What's going yeah, on? what's up, guys? Um, we're gonna go through kind of like you know a lot of little jams we do at the beginning, um, and have Jake here too to you know call our shit maybe or uh, you know just give his his wisdom on it. But uh, before we do that, um, I I preluded I yes, I, I yes. mentioned it. Uh, Jonah, what's our shtick here? What do we do? Yeah, eventually I'm gonna write this down so it's the same thing every time. But basically, yeah, we're here at the future Zao. The future Zao. Uh, it's a podcast about the future and the many ways in which the promises of a sort of Jetsonian future of, of uh, you know, automated ease and luxury and uh, you know, easily mitigated conflict of every time of every kind via technology has sort of you know, uh, curdled in the mouth of of society and left us with something uh, altogether different, if not unrecognizable. So what we try to do here is pull on the tangled tendrils of, you know, politics, the internet, technology, and sort of compare and contrast the future as it was promised to us as, you know, wide-eyed children watching uh, Star Wars and Ghostbusters and and uh, what we've sort of found ourselves uh, in now uh, with uh, working from home with a keylogger uh, software keeping us from going on 4chan. Uh, don't worry, folks. Be, it didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't. Yeah. Well, no, the no human, in, the indomitable human spirit will always, will always, will always triumph. Is also the main ethos of this show. <laughs> but anyway, that's a broad stroke, and you know we have a lot of episodes that you can listen to on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. If you want to check out the back catalog or follow us on Twitter at uh, the future is out. Um, we got to get better about doing that. Um, but yeah. Um, and today I think, you know, you'll, 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 I think you'll get a, you'll get a sense if this is your first time listening of, of, of what, what, what the score is. Um, so that being said, and having mentioned our, our back catalog, do you want to start with some futures out updates? Yeah, um, for sure. Let's so one thing that we have talked about in the past is the phenomenon 
known here to for yeah as uh <laughs> as a Havana syndrome uh pretty bad pretty pretty uh pretty scary stuff um if you recall uh, or you happen to listen to one of our past episodes or have been um you know following the the news or the chattering classes um you'll know that uh Havana syndrome is basically the catch-all term that was given to a sort of generalized roster of symptoms experienced by American uh, spies and diplomats abroad, most notably in in Cuba, who basically got headaches and uh, upset tummies, and generally had bad feelings and diarrhea. In some diarrhea. cases, was there were, a good one there too. were some there were there were several documented cases of thunder and guts among our <laughs> uh, our brave yeah, soldiers. I, I and think sailors. the medical term is just bad feels. Yeah. Bad feels, gastrointestinal bad feels. Um, and we talked about it on the show before because there is speculation. Is this like some type of heretofore unknown sonic weapon that's being like uh, leveled at our diplomats to give them diarrhea? Yeah, if you've and, ever seen like the ray gun in Black Ops and shit like that, that's kind of like uh, some people were speculating it could be like that or like a microwave gun. But um, see, that's what I was saying. We should never release Black Ops like we did because then that gives it to the Chinese, uh, so they can use all of the our power ups, all of our kill streaks, um, against us. Um, but yeah. So anyway, we were talking. We were talking. Um, uh, Havana Syndrome. I think we both ex- expressed some 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 skepticism about it being a thing given that i don't think anyone really suggested that such a weapon like a, a, a directed energy ray did exist as far as anyone knows um and if it did it would probably be the americans who spend like seven gazillion dollars a year on on military stuff and not cuba who is like has a gdp the size of like connecticut probably um and yeah so this just did recently come out um as a follow-up um which is that according to nbc news the cia says that the um the mysterious symptoms known as havana syndrome are the result of a sustained global campaign by a hostile power aimed at hundreds of u.s diplomats and spies is not the case i i said that somewhat confusingly (laughs) but um the CIA basically came out and said that other than in two dozen cases in which the agency cannot rule out cannot rule out foreign involvement, uh, including many of the cases that originated at the U.S. Embassy in Havana in 2016, um, it was basically everything that people were complaining about, which was a lot of people, uh, like oh, traumatic brain injuries, yada yada, could all be um, traced to a. a, a an understandable and uh definable source yeah i mean the only yeah the only thing i'd add to that is so that nbc news article it's not the cia technically hasn't said anything about this yet this was people in the cia who were like unnamed sources in the nbc article talking about it the cia's position is still that they're not saying anything yeah they declined to comment um, but this is like supposedly like a pre release like report or whatever that they're speaking about um and yeah you know it seems to confirm what a lot of people already suspected which was that like basically once you once you say that something might exist like the like havana syndrome then like every diplomat and person who to whom it might possibly apply is going to be like 
wake up hungover and be like, dude, do I have Havana syndrome? <laughs> kind of like tried, COVID. Kind of like COVID. I mean, and granted, let's not forget that the U.S. Senate literally did, we passed a bill. One of the things that rarely ever happens at all anymore in this country, but there was a bill passed specifically to a lot like millions of dollars of, of, of health care aid directly to victims of Havana syndrome, which is just, you know, extremely funny given the fact that A, it's obviously not a real thing, and B, we can't really do anything else. Um, but haven't we also spent, you know, an equally large sum just like medevacking people out of consulates? And like, I feel like it's actually, you know, for what could perhaps just be a mass hysteria event been probably quite expensive to the uh the, the average pack average taxpayer oh probably yeah i mean again like yeah typically our consulates when they are in the news it's because they're getting blown up by um militants or um uh or uh you know people are uh i don't know uh attempting to uh conduct some type of illegal shady business out of them um so i guess this is just sort of in the uh in the long-running scheme of american diplomacy just being a uh, a big a big uh money suck um for for for, <laughs> for little determinable gain um well, but the, the one fun fact i do actually know about this though is like what haven't in, in now you know i think the thrust of this article is it's it's been largely debunked but I feel like one of the prevailing theories you would you would see floating around the net, as it were, was the idea of like these pulse microwave or like frequency based radio weapons. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I had been reading about these separately, um, like back when I think it was like the UN was rolling out these like sort of like noise guns as as like a crowd deterrent. Oh yeah, um, yes. But apparently there was like a thing in the fifty like fifties or sixties where. Um, our Moscow embassy was like actively being attacked with like microwave beams, um, like confirmed, but it, it didn't have any actual health effects on anyone. It was like an attempt to disrupt what they believed were like surveillance equipment and like, mm. you know, low, low tier electronic devices. So it's like, I feel like, like with any good, you know, not conspiracy, but like good story, there is like this weird little grain of something true in it. Well, I think that was like the, when we were talking about before, that was the thing I always clung on to is like, even if this, the exact accounts of what people are saying now is bullshit, the fact that like the US or any other country is working on like fucking, you know, like new advanced weapons that do this type of shit is not, not true, right? Like that's definitely something that's possibly going on. And if people can find ways to like make these weapons work, they're going to try to do it yeah Um, i guess the thing is just like it seems like the it's more likely that if anyone has them it's it's us or because there isn't like a a soviet union uh i mean i don't think like even china spends nearly as much money as we do on like guns and military r&d stuff but um also i just think exactly per what jake just said a lot of people are like really stuck in especially if people who grew up or started working in this that time like are really stuck in the the act the literal cold war mindset um but it's just like we don't really live in that anymore um and so like everyone wants it to be like you know red versus like red versus blue black spy white spy uh uh espionage and spy craft but it's just like i think there's obviously a lot of spooky shit still goes on but it's not quite as like fucking um you know 
black and white in terms of the teams and who's who's on whose side um and people just like really love i mean it's sort of like not to get too far afield but like people talking about you know what's also in the news right now is like russia potentially invading ukraine which i think a is not going to happen but b people talk about it like there's all these people you know all these like security analyst types on twitter who are talking about like oh well you know they're like war gaming it out as if it's going to be like tanks rolling across the ukraine like in world war ii and it's just like i think people don't realize that we live in a, a very different kind of world these days and and like unfortunately quote unquote like big fun stuff like a gigantic tank battles is not or or like um like you know spy wars um on this like clear a versus b axis don't really don't really go down anymore the same way just my two cents um anyway just a quick update uh, in case you were suffering from havana syndrome and trying to uh get your insurer to cover it uh a data point to be aware of um the cia is about to about to burst your burst your bubble um we have another uh quick thing though in terms of you know uh topical topical issues for the day um mac as uh i am quick to remind everyone uh is an actual journalist and therefore listening to the show is actually your duty as an american citizen um to remain informed uh so there's something cool that you were working on today that is very future zal do you want to do you want to spit on that yeah sure from the blogosphere uh as it were um yeah i mean we've talked a lot about like i think this is kind of closer in the realm of like when we've talked about clearview ai which is like these private companies that are um you know taking on like sort of pseudo governmental roles with like their surveillance type of tech but um this was interesting because um there's a company called id.me and um they've been around for a while and i think jonah you said you've had something um that you've done with them before but like they have kind of quickly made their way up from being this like sort of nobody e-commerce company where like they essentially they did like two factor verification for sites but instead of using your phone they would use um you would take a selfie and your selfie would be like the way that you verify yourself um to log into an account or something and it was pretty secure and so like a bunch of government agencies like the military started using it for certain benefit structures for um you know veterans um and then other government agencies started doing it as well and the reason why i was looking into it was because they have actually partnered with the irs um which you know we all love that's a dope collab right there. yeah yeah it's like yeah um but um (laughs) but yeah so like if you go to the irs.com like today right like like any other site you can like sign up for their um you know you can log into your account in the irs and that lets you like you can sign up to pay taxes yeah you can sign to dude it's so sick you can get you get updates and shit (laughs) the one thing i always said about taxes is they just it was so it was too simple it was too easy there was too few steps (laughs) and i fucking i so regret signing up like they make it sound fun but now like 30% 30% of my paycheck is fucking gone. <laughs> I never signed up for this. Yeah, it's a little bit of a hidden uh, hidden gamble. But no, I mean, like, the, I mean, it's, what you're just saying, though, is that, like, obviously, like, the IRS, at least when every time I've done my taxes, it feels like the most fucking backwards, like, old school 
bullshit. Yeah, it's but, very stupid. Um, but they're trying to modernize, right? And so, you know, they're trying to make a accessible account where you can, you know, log in, see all your, you know, all your records, view all your, you know, potential returns and like even file online and kind of have a one-stop shop uh, through your IRS account. But in order to do that, you need to, they're partnering with this company, ID.me. And so basically, like, when you go and sign up for an account, you have to also sign up through ID.me, which requires a facial recognition scan of you every time you log in um, to identify your, uh, to verify your identity. So this was optional in the past, but the IRS announced that starting this summer, they're going to make it mandatory for anyone who's using an IRS account. So if you're... So basically the upshot is like you need to give, you need to go onto like a third party private website that you have no idea and have never heard of before and give them a picture of your face and a picture of your like driver's license in order to do your taxes, which you basically have to do under penalty of law yeah not just that i mean it's it's your face every time that you're there your id which is either your driver's license or you know your passport also they have to have a full record of your credit history um they have to have your social security number they have to have like a bunch of other personal identifying information and this is all just to your, your penis size all, all just a lot of really basic simple things and then you're yeah, ready to go. yeah. the taxes yeah. can be filed in the click yeah and um bear in mind in other countries like there is no such other countries that are capitalist systems where people go to work and are paid a wage and then spend that money on stuff just like here there's no such thing as filing your taxes and the government just knows how much you should pay and takes it out of your paycheck and that's just that it's like pretty yeah, much all it, of western europe there's not re- a thing return to file free filing well, the IRS also does know what you pay. I mean, that's why yeah, they, they can do fuck, know. They, right. they do know. Like that's that's why you can go to jail for not filing your taxes. Like they do know. Like it's... yeah, they're like, why don't you guess <laughs> what you owe, and then if you're wrong, we'll send you to prison. <laughs> because we, this because is... we know. I know you guys have this slotted in as an appetizer, but this is such a good future is our topic. I feel like uh, you know, I don't know how much of the the deeper background you guys have on this, but um. Did, like bills have been passed multiple times or excuse me tried they've tried to pass bills multiple times to even have america go to a return free filing situation like singapore or one of those other places where the government just pulls it out of your your bank account really but um well, big like, big tax Turbo return tax is like yeah. leaning on the government not to do that because they make a ton of money right there's like it's a huge industry it's like everything it's just like there's a lot of people who's paychecks depend on just like this insanely inefficient system and sort of picking the flesh off the bones of of this stupid backwards way of doing things um including yeah. like intuit turbotax in particular h&r block another big offender i think them and turbotax uh you know their parent company intuit i think are like combined do the most lobbying and it's like in the multi-millions of dollars uh to keep keep legislation set up in such a way where it's nice, it's complicated, and you got to pay them money if you want to not get audited. Right. Well, now we have another fun fun uh, little person in the square dance, uh, which is ID.me. And so basically what, so so are people pissed off about this, or is this just, are we, you know, is this is this going to cause a humdrum, or, or is everyone just going to say, okay? I mean, I think people are now starting to get pissed off, which is what was happening in the reporting, but I think the, the, the issue is that, like, 
most people just had no idea that it was even happening. You know what I mean? Because it was this thing that the IRS could just sort of say. And, you know, we got a bunch of shit for it uh, when we were covering this because, like, they, someone from the IRS was making a point that, like, you, you don't have to technically use IDME because, um, you know, if you file your taxes by paper, um, you don't have to do this, right? Like you can get a, you can get all of your transcripts sent to you and you can file it and, uh, send it by snail mail and that's fine, which, okay, like sure. Um, and then there's also like some carve outs for like, if you want to, uh, do an e-file, which is like a direct one-time payment of, with your debit card. But the thing is like if you go right now and just like google search like pay my taxes and like you you're just like a normal person who doesn't have a cpa and like you're just trying to get shit done like everything is telling you like on the irs website and everywhere else is like you should you know go through id.me and do this and you know this is clearly like what they want people to be doing is like be in this like centralized sort of um you know one-stop shop place where you where you manage all of your IRS stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, long story short is that like we're, this is what someone from the ACLU told me today when I was talking to him about it was that like, we're doing something that's like really probably should be a government service, which is like verifying someone's identity to pay their taxes, which if they don't do, they can go to jail for and like offloading it onto this private company who like no one knows anything about and like isn't really responsible to anybody you can't get any documents from them because like you can't you know FOIA request them you can't really do anything with them without a subpoena and um and you as you as the person who has to pay the taxes are kind of just like shit out of luck like you you know you don't really have anything you can do um yeah that's very quintessentially american i feel like it's just and just like the whole neoliberal thing of just like everything that used to be a state function is now just like yeah auctioned off to some private company with of unknown scruples or 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 bona fides you know um so this does seem par for the course in that way but it does suck because it's just like a lot of this stuff is like if you wanted to you could avoid it but now it's just like basically short of mailing your taxes in paper or like uh doing the e-file which i've tried to e-file myself for like state taxes and it's just like really a, a onerous system yeah i just torrented uh ip or i tor torrented uh uh turbo tax <laughs> like uh like like a good corner cutter and had them do it for me uh yeah i've done the turbo taxes well yeah i mean th this is just it's so bad it's so like not a grad like not so bad that people are going to be running down the street with their pitchforks and right. you know but it's so moderately bad in so many ways it's it's really devious it's like one you know you're being forced and i think they later had some clarification where they kind of backpedaled on some of this um you know saying oh it's not going to really be mandatory but you know the idea that one to do your taxes which that money is then going to probably pay this third-party company you're having to go through to hold all of this really personally identifiable information. And then it's, you know, inevitably going to end up breached on the internet, you know, off to who knows who with no accountability. So it's, you're getting, you're, you're getting rubbed out, like, you know, at the front, the back and the middle of this thing. It's, it's really 
pretty gnarly. Yeah, you're getting the shaft and you're like paying the person who's giving it to you. Um, yeah. Not cool. Yeah, I mean, and then we can move on from after this, but I think, Jake, what you said was like, it makes, it, it applies to so much of the, I think like the things that like we'll talk about on here that are kind of the, you throw your hands up in the air and you're like, what can you do type of stuff? Because it's like, it's the type of things where it's not so obtrusive that like you have to go on the streets and say something but it's just enough of an infraction but like not enough for you to really do anything that's like it's a slow creep right and like there's so much of that type of shit with all the digital surveillance stuff that is why it's like you know so pervasive i feel like i don't know yeah it just kind of wears you down you're like all right fuck it like i have other stuff to do i'm not gonna like die on this hill but eventually you know i don't know are you at, probably? I'm not gonna die on that hill, but it does suck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is, I think, way the the calculated response that they're that they're assuming you'll have. So I guess you know, who's the real sucker here? Maybe me. Um, okay. Well, all of that being said, tax season isn't until April, so we have at least three months to uh to uh, uh solve this problem. Um, I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll get it done. Um. Next up on the docket, what do you what do you say, Mac? Were we gonna talk? Uh... Well, while we're in the mood of offshoring, you know, government sort of things to uh, to private companies, you want to talk about the next space station? Yeah, I guess we should <laughs> talk about the sordid and uh, ongoing history of the auctioning off of space exploration and one of the most like singularly inspiring human endeavors of all time to just like uh being sold to uh Amazon uh the people who deliver you deliver you like uh, uh toilet paper and and uh you know lube <laughs> and the worst streaming content i mean they have some good stuff on there right now actually i hate it pains me to say it but um yeah amazon through jeff bezos has plans to open a business park quote unquote in space um, the company plans to deploy the space station called Orbital Reef between 2025 and 2030. Um, and the space venture plans to use the station as a, quote, mixed-use business park, which will release which will lease space for commerce, research, and tourism. Um, so basically, they're opening a strip mall in space um, through, through Jeff Bezos. Um, and it, it's supposedly planning to be up there in the next eight years um it's it's an interesting gambit um i don't really see the appeal of like firing your employees up into outer space to work on a space station uh in some type of mixed use uh commercial residential set situation but i guess to, to to give them their credit there's apparently you know there's some value to be had in like doing research and shit in zero gravity yeah but can't they do, is there can't you do zero gravity on earth is that not a thing i don't know i mean i think there's like certain things that they've been doing for a long time that's like beneficial to have in, in space for a lot of reasons but my read of this was that like all the radiation I, that you get while you're up there. yeah right <laughs> I don't know. This seems like more of a marketing thing than anything for like Blue Origin, just because like like I don't know. They've actually, for all the money that they have behind them, have done very little compared to like the other sort of like actual space shit that's going on now. 
and like also like any of the bezos related projects like like bezos has like it's like project it's like coupiers or or something with a k that's like supposed to be like this big satellite internet project um and people have been talking about it for years and he still has yet to put a single satellite into space so it's a little bit like i feel like you know anything with his name attached to it with like the space stuff you gotta kind of hold your breath a little bit but jake what do you think about i'm curious what you think because we've talked on the show a bunch about like all these billionaires doing their like extraterrestrial bullshit what do you what do you think about this whole sort of phenomena yeah jake if you're if you're if your employer told you that they were giving you an awesome sick benefit package to relocate to outer space would you what would you say would you be down i i you know it'd be hard to turn that one down but no i i honestly at least temporarily I would, this one's been so funny because I just, I was just skimming this sort of, you know, ahead of the conversation to, to know what was up. And for all of the big names and money behind this, um, cause it's not just Blue Origin, uh, Jeff Bezos' joint, right? It's a couple other companies working on this. Their marketing materials kind of suck. Like, <laughs> like the, the graphics and the renderings, like they're, they're a little funky looking, and like the analogies they're using to kind of describe and like sell you on it are so funny where they they talk about how like oh you know we're gonna have schools in here and like you know but we're gonna have like an anchor business that's like right. and i'm just picturing this like space mall you know it's <laughs> like, i'm gonna walk past the recently shuttered orange julius on my way to like the space hot topic <laughs> yeah like, dude, i don't know space like, hot topic the, would be sick, the way they describe it is very odd but uh, you know, I, I'm sure there's value to like to having a platform out in space to do, try new things, learn more. But like, I think the only, the really good thing that would come out of this is if, and they pitch it as, oh, this is for everyone. This is for, this isn't right. just for the millionaires, but if it actually got some of the billionaires to like somehow pump their money on a frivolous thing like space travel back into the economy, like that wouldn't be such a bad thing. Uh, but I know like in a lot of ways, like blue origin has been largely funded by, uh, air force contracts. Right. And government spending. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I mean like, well, this is all also done in like partnership with NASA who is sort of like kind of getting crowded out. Um, but is like sort of the official imprimatur of all of this, um, work who that much of like the bulk of which is now going to private companies. But yeah, I mean, I do think like the thing, I guess like why we like the thing that strikes me the most about this is just like the utter lack of imagination sort of in, in on display from these companies where they're like, this is it guys. Are you ready? Like, here we go. It's, it's coastal, it's orbital reef. It's a, a mall, <laughs> where, <laughs> but in space. And it's just like, okay, is this, is this how exhausted we are as a society? That's just like the most we can come up with is just like basically recreating the same <laughs> exact thing that you go to on earth. But it's just like, yeah, there's uh, an office and then there's a, uh, but no, but it's also a gym. <laughs> it's like I literally know. every fucking shitty iPhone glass tower building that is like opening up in your neighborhood and rack jacking your rent up is like the same thing where it's like, well, there's a cool area where you can play billiards and like interact with other uh, young professionals. Yeah, the anime <laughs> nerd is like, deck. where's the 3d chess set? Where's like, you know, the, the like 
gravitational chamber and like yes you know. where's the cent- and, centrifuge or at the very least it's like give me give me a smash mouth's astro lounge you know like i yes. at least want the martini bar and like you know like a nice deck or like the, like you know come on just a little Dude, lack of imagination i completely agree there's a there's a total lack of like uh sick like retro um like 2001 space odyssey like where is the thing where you're walking and you're walking on the pathway but it's actually like a giant hamster wheel but you're you gravitationally your feet are on it the entire time you know what i mean they did um, have one like, good shot of like a telescoping hallway but that's about as as hot as it got <laughs> yeah it's uh it's just uh it's just leaves me a little cold doesn't it jake you mentioned uh before kind of in passing that like if you got the opportunity you would go to space but just for a limited time under like the conditions that there are now what's like the how many days or weeks or months would it take for you to be like this is cool versus this is like a prison and i need to leave to well be space? it's okay I, if jeff bezos is actually there i think i'd keep it to a week just so he didn't have a chance to like drink all my <laughs> yeah, blood before really i got back guy. but assuming he's not there uh and i don't have to rub elbows you know i think i could do i think i could do like six months which i think okay. is like it's a long time. Maybe a little long, but not selling yourself short. You is know? that solitary? Like not, long, like not long enough for your bones to degenerate. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> is this like a solitary pod, or is this like an ecosystem in space where you're doing six months? You imagine? I think I just need like a plasma TV, some anime DVDs, nice. and like you know <laughs> some some ramen in my like I could do it solo, but I wouldn't I wouldn't mind a little company either. Like you know, See, you could I, do you could do is... like a bi- like a biodome type type joint yeah i i feel like maybe we've talked about this or not but i think that like i think the whole like space thing is kind of dumb but at the same time i feel like if i was older i would die in space i would do it i don't want to die in space because space is like the equivalent is like death light because it's just like vast cold black silent it's just like kind of like you're already in the jaws of death when you're in space. And I think the thing that people say when they go to space is like they, the unanimous thing is just like they, be, they gain a newfound appreciation for the beauty of earth. And just like, you know, all the, all the, all the, the water and the creepy crawlies and the, and the stupid dumb shit of the other people, it really all takes on a new life for them. So I would want to, I would go to space for a little bit. I would love to do, I'd love to see how all the things happen, like all the globules, you know, like, you know, everything. That first zero gravity poop has got to be really That first zero gravity dump. <laughs> Imagine, because it's probably be, got to be pretty gastrointestinally distressing to get up there. So like, how does that work? Like, just like having, <laughs> yeah, it's just, true. just like violent diarrhea and Z and zero G. I want to see what that's well, like. There's a lot of like, I feel like a lot of just things that you have, like a lot of things that are completely unique on the day one of like, Oh, I shat my pants. Now what happens? Or like, <laughs> Oh, like I fucking, you know, like shit that like you, you don't really have any expectation for. <laughs> yeah. So that's all interesting. And like, I don't know, I guess like as far as like the Jeff Bezos space park goes, it's a little like, I don't know. It's like a little sad that they're using the wonder of space. I mean, it's like, yeah, I guess there's always like a lot of firsts that are going to get made one way or the other, but that it's just like taking the app, the Amazon mindset of like, ah, like consumer satisfaction and, 
and we're gonna hit our deliverables like super great and like just oh but but it's in space now it's just like uh, i kind of just wish that like i don't know someone with even if it was insane and evil and psychotic like someone with a little more grandiose vision was in charge of this um but uh you know i guess you take what you take what you can get don't you well you know don't let richard branson hear you uh yeah too. richard branson <laughs> send up do a space pedophilia island <laughs> upstage well, it's Jeff like Bezos. yeah you get that or you get like jeff bezos is basically like uh dr evil reenactment with his giant phallic rocket you know right. cruising over the skies while he you know giggles maniacally <laughs> that was really funny that they when his whole big thing of the blue origin thing was just sending that penis rocket right up into like low earth <laughs> orbit and then just immediately coming back yeah and that was it i will say like very cool man the, with was, the whole all the imagery the fact that like he had his fucking cowboy hat on too it really was the best yeah it's just basically riding a big white cock into outer space whilst wearing a cowboy hat is pretty much as good as it gets for just what the state of the american capitalist project is right now um not to mention that he kind of looks like a penis himself being and a little like dr evil he's got the bald head and the you know you gray up those eyebrows yeah we're off to the races I'm i'm just saying there's something there there is something there um well we'll 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 be we'll be uh we'll be uh in 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 close touch we've mac and i have definitely both applied for a corner office in the blue origin uh space station to uh record the podcast out of um i'm sure he's gonna give it to us yeah seems I mean, like a reasonable guy yeah and uh we've been assured that there will be uh very solid amenities um including ping pong and uh lots of uh icelandic yogurts available um so it seems like a good deal um moving on though to uh you know the uh the the other topics of the day um what did we want to talk about mac did we want to go i think we could we could either you know if we want to talk about the the bots we could do that or we could take a break and you know give um and sally Jake back some time over here sally forth into segment two yeah yeah um how long have we been going going we've been going for about 30 35 minutes okay maybe let's take a break and then we'll we'll sally into segment two in, yeah, in a little minute here um after some musical stylings from uh you know who it is it's the boy dalton core uh espresso tempo so you know uh pull that espresso you know pick it up with two fingers and uh oh that's perfect timing we'll see you in a minute <laughs> Thank you. 
So we're live, we're back. Thank you, Dalton, for the musical, musical music. Um, uh, for the second half of the show here, we do have Jake on, uh, who's calling in from, I don't know if we mentioned California, but not only California, but San Fran, San Francisco. San Francisco. As the, as the uh, locals say. The <laughs> sicko capital of the world, of the country. Um, no, San Francisco, lovely town. I managed to make it out there. Uh, I will say, the one thing that's cool about San Francisco, uh, aside the from the... Thing. The only thing is the is the beautiful the beautiful houses. There's so many little cute little little bungalows and uh, Victorian manses and so on and so forth. It's a little it's a very darling town uh, in that respect. Um, Jake, you happen to live in a in a very darling little uh, uh, um abode right now can you can you compare and contrast just briefly for us and for our listeners like you lived in a real a real working class uh you know nine to five lunch pail city chicago and now you've moved out to uh you know this sort of fanciful um kind of uh, foggy dream dream realm that is san francisco um Compare and contrast the apart the apartment vibe. <laughs> oh man, what what a lofty task. Uh you know, funnily enough though, it's like in Chicago, what I was actually in, not only I mean you call it like a lunch pail type city, it's you know you could you, there's a lot you could say about Chicago. It's um but I was actually in what was probably old worker housing when I was living there, which were these like post fire uh, you know, the big fire. Um yeah massively proliferated and constructed like very beautiful brick three flats um and like you know there there's still many of them all over the city not that all of them have survived but chicago has such a typology for like what the average house or you know building looks like these three flats you've got your wood um patios with like you know the stairs out the back you got your alleys like very much a type Chicago just like a barcelona or i mean a san francisco as well what were you saying i said well chicago loves its alleys it's a it's a big alley cat city i've heard that there's actually a big problem in chicago of um uh gangs of of feral cats that get together in the alleys and they 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 sing and they sing doo-wop numbers um that that is true. Night. I've seen it with my own eyes. And, and the only way you have to throw a boot at them to knock them off the wooden picket fencing in the alley. Uh and that's the only way to get them to stop. So Jake, this is a pressing question I've had for you cuz you live in San Francisco. I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan. Is it true that when you walk outside it's there is actually like a war going on and that um you know there's tetanus all around and there's people like about to chop your head off like if you if you you know, move a little bit too quickly and there's, yeah, it's all, it's know, all true. Just, that's all everything true. Okay. you said, okay. everything you haven't said, it's all true. Uh, it's confirmed. <laughs> no, I, you know, you know, I have a lot of love for Chicago's there for a long time, but, uh, San Francisco also very charming though, to be fair, having lived in Chicago, I think San Francisco and almost any city in the world would benefit from alleys, uh, singing cats, you know, notwithstanding, um, <laughs> no, it's a cool city. There's, uh, it's got its problems like they all do. There's definitely, you know, a more folk sleeping on the streets than anyone would like. Um, but no, I mean, you know, it's, it's a beautiful place with a lot of really 
lovely historic quiet neighborhoods full a lot of nice people and uh it's it's a really nice place to be though i will say downtown like the city city is is not san francisco's finest asset i think it's like you're there for what's around you right okay well one the historic architecture but like the hills the bay the ocean like you know giant redwood forest like that's what it's all about you know like all the stuff that's great about san francisco is the stuff that exists um in spite of all of the people and their projects and 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 works (laughs) (laughs) um no i well here's a question that i am curious why so why does chicago or why is why does san francisco have all these little painted victorian homes um Instead of just like a bunch of uh, nameless, faceless uh, apartment blocks uh, in like gray brick buildings like New York City, the greatest city in the world where Mac and I live. Wow, man, you're going to put me on the spot. Actually, you know, as someone that's been here a few months, I don't know that I've got the greatest grasp on the history, but I know I can like speak to at least some of the Victorians in like my neighborhood and the one I'm living in, which much like the old south side of Chicago, like it's a bunch of what used to be really grand single family homes. I think it's sort of like this bygone era of sort of flamboyance, a little bit of like this grandiose, everything's a little larger than life, Mm -hmm. beautifully detailed. And to this day, a lot of it has been retained largely through like pretty strict zoning ordinances and like restrictions on what can and can't be built. Um, so I think it's it's not so much that San Francisco had this character, this richness that other cities lacked. I think it's that San Francisco has done a pretty good job of preserving it uh, in a way that's just like not been the case other places. Okay, so maybe, I mean, you've moved there recently, so I don't know how much you could speak to it, but I'm curious, like, because this is something you hear from the outside about San Francisco, is that like all of this injection specifically of like Silicon Valley money and like people that have moved there for tech, like how noticeable is that for you of like the divide between like sort of the tech people and like all the things that they like versus like maybe, you know, the older San Francisco before that boom or Chicago. Cause I feel like Chicago is like, it's got a lot of yuppies, but it's not really like a tech hub. Yeah. Like how I many, mean, it's how many fucking, I feel like, um, in like the different wave there's like always these sort of like i feel like cultural waves that happen right where it's like you know san francisco had one legacy of like the hippies and all that stuff and then you know now it's the the big story is the silicon valley but i feel like with covid and also a couple harsh fire seasons like there was actually a pretty big exodus from well cities everywhere but especially san francisco the bay area which has been historically a very expensive and inaffordable place to live I feel like I swept in on the heels of like people just fleeing. So it's like, I got it. actually, I want to say my rent was, we found it like on Zillow from like before we were here. It's like, we got it 40% under what it was renting at previously. And when we were looking at moving out, it was like landlords were just desperate to all oh, three free months rent. Like, please just please move into our apartment. And um, so I feel like the tides have been changing a little bit, but just from like the people I've met, you know, there's still plenty of the tech techies out here and, uh, they've all been lovely, <laughs> but it's like, also, I, I only know them in passing. So I couldn't really say what the 
feel or the culture of this place was before that. But I can say that like in its current subdued state, it's all, it's, I can't complain. Well, all of that being said, there is a phenomenon that we may, we, you may have to answer for Jake, because in something that, uh, you know, I've, I don't know if I've, I've, uh, you know, certain, certain professional groups, I think have to answer for certain crimes. I think broadly speaking, architects are, they're not so bad. You know, they're, they're not so bad. They're certainly, there are no veterinarians. I'll say that. <laughs> so you'll be spared from the firing squads, uh, as far as I'm concerned. But there is something that, uh, there was an article in uh, Bloomberg city lab, um, about Denver in particular. Uh, the title being Denver battles with its fugly quote new housing and then the deck in the midst of its green rush locals are increasingly frustrated with the architecture behind so many recent developments um, and then you know to 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 sample briefly from the article um, you have a quote from uh, a, an upset Den, Den, Denvernian saying quote Every building going up is tan, brown, red, or burnt red. That's every color. I have 50 buildings from townhomes to multifamily buildings that are the same color, same facade. Um, and the, the upshot is people have started like little Facebook groups to just bitch and moan about. I think something, if you live in a, in a city in this country, you're probably familiar with. It's just like these houses that look like Legos. And they're, they're usually some type of weird color. Um, and they look like shit. Um, and, and I think a lot of people are, are wondering, you know, why I think it seems it's been called gentrification housing. It seems to track with like, uh, big boom and like, uh, population booms, like in Denver where a lot of people are moving out. Um, so I guess what my question to you, Jake, is what do you have to say for yourself? <laughs> um, I didn't do it. It was no, uh, <laughs> you know, um, I don't want to just be the apologist here, but that may be the role I have to take or the defender. Um, you know, it's not, and I, I'd like to think I have good taste in architecture. Uh, and I'd like to think I do sure design work I'm proud of, but that being said, you know, you do see a lot of this cookie cutter bland sort of like blocky painted on simple, stuff getting stamped out but i i do kind of understand why and it's and i don't really think it's architects it's developers it's the market it's like so actually i, I was reading this thing yeah. it was funny uh, it, this is about cars like another thing that i'm tangentially interested in even right now i think it was like white black gray and silver like the base the most basic car colors account for just shy of 80 percent of all cars sold and I think with housing, especially in these sort of like boomtown type of things where there's like a sudden influx, there's this like market demand for something that is has mass appeal, something that's going to be acceptably okay to as many people as possible. And it's this just confluence of like, how do we, you know, it's rental property gray paint that you get right in all your apartments. It's yeah. how do we make something that has the best possible chance of selling to someone because most people, when it comes to aesthetics, it's not their number one priority, right? They want a price they like and they want it in a location that, that they're happy with. 
And if it looks a little ugly, eh, so be it. That's that's the easy place to cut corners. So I guess I mean that makes that makes total sense. I guess what I am curious about, especially after reading that story too, is like what has changed, right? Because I feel like one right, of the things then, they get into in there is that like there's this sort of desire amongst a subset of people to have kind of like regional or at least like city based architecture that's like unique to the place. Like it San seems Francisco. like to some yeah, to some extent that, that that used to be more common. Maybe maybe it's a fallacy, but it seems like there's this kind of uh heteronormity that like forms in all these new boom towns of like new mid level cities and like so what is it is it that just like more people are responsive to the market now or is it that like there's a w- less willingness to take risk from like the the architects and like developers and all that like what's what's changed to make it so uniform mm. in your opinion i i think there's probably like an architectural historian or like someone that would actually be able to give you like a valid like factual answer to this but i can just give you my feeling on it yeah we're not about valid factual like, answers on this podcast so. just wild speculation yeah because i got I, that. ideally ideally yeah, yeah listen to our mcafee <laughs> podcast and you'll know that we're yeah. <laughs> well okay well then you're in the right place uh, or i'm in the right place um i think it's like well one places used to be like you'd grow up somewhere and you'd stay there and your family would be from there and your family's family. Like, and now it's like when you have, I think Denver is what you said, Jonah, as one of these examples, it's like all of the people, all of this new housing in Denver, it's for people who aren't from Denver, don't know anything about Denver. Like, like there is a sense, like there's a sense that architecture has, um, cultural relative like relevance but then there's also like a more practical aspect to that which is like architecture is responding to the actual environment like the sun you know the wind the temperatures right and i feel like the one piece of that that's been lost is like the cultural piece i think especially now the way the building industry has gone as a whole it's like codes and regulations have gotten you know there's more of them more things are controlled or prescribed and i think that does drive everything towards a sameness so it's like the thing that's left if you really want something that is locally sensitive it's it's about kind of going that extra mile or like being intentional versus something that's really a necessity yeah i mean so like and 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 to your point a little bit um there is a uh there is a sort of concern that like uh, this is a uh, you know this is what people want to live in but uh, I'll, I'll quote here from someone in this article this is christine frank director for the center of advanced research in traditional architecture at the university of colorado but she says developers would say that this is what we have to do this is what's selling this is what people want Whereas she posits, this is the chicken and the egg. Is this what people want or is this what they're sold? Um, more on one size fits all construction is like, is part of the problem. So my, my thinking is like, you know, uh, what, 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 what has changed that like, uh, the thing that gets people in, I guess, is like, um, cheap construction that just looks, looks like it will 
everything like it could be anywhere like what what what's stopping i don't know and like uh, is it just a function of people is this all just a function of like people graduating from college and then just like moving somewhere to to take on like a a job uh and just like this sort of homogeneity of the of the new sort of professional managerial class or whatever they all want to live in buildings that look like um bionicles um because there's a great there's a great book by i think it's tom wolf um Bauhaus yeah. in our house or something like that's probably the wrong title but it's actually a whole book from Bauhaus to our house thank you Jonah and it's all about how like this sort of like sleek modern Tony Stark like ultra luxury like kind of vibe was like kind of forced down people's throats and like doesn't necessarily isn't actually what people want it's what people are told they want and I mm-hmm. think there's like a little bit of truth to that for sure. Um, but, you know, I would like to think that like there is really good architecture happening all over the place. But it doesn't happen in volume. It's this idea of like the iPhone or like in product design, you can spend you know, a hundred people, 500 people working for an entire year to design something, one thing that you're then going to sell a billion of Yeah. versus an architecture, especially in the, in the sense of the actual role of the architect, you're going to spend 10 people working for five years to develop one building that you sell once. <laughs> like, especially if it's something that is super responsive to the local factors, it's hyper local, you know, if you go somewhere else, you've got to start that process all over again, right? It's harder to sort of distribute something at scale that is also, you know, not cookie cutter. Well, this is, I mean, that goes into something else I had a question about is that like, I guess, and this is less about the, well, I guess it's about the aesthetic too, but in a world now where we just have way more people than we had like, say in the 70s or 60s in general and like more people are in like the larger cities if you're someone who's like tasked with like designing something like how much of like the utilitarian aspect of something like the design of like making it work in a city and like making things work for like efficiency and stuff like how much does that cut into like maybe like making something that's less efficient but is more like culturally relevant to like a place mm-hmm. or, or like, just, like more... nice to live in yeah or, or just like it's like fun and so like that it seems like that's a thing now that like is kind of underpinning a lot of these things where it's like no one wants to say it but it's like you have to make some certain sacrifices some places to like make shit just work because everyone wants to live in brooklyn now right so it's like not everyone really can live in brooklyn like how does that all I'm curious, like, from your perspective, like, if is you it like a zero sum thing like that? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. It's so it's like, I feel like the advocate for the fun, the advocate for, you know, putting some life and some humanity into these things is often the architect. And architects, uh, love, I mean, we're no veterinarians. We love to self aggrandize <laughs> and think we're super important. And everything we do is like, pure gold right 
for and reference, it's definitely this, not. the future is out is an anti-veterinarian podcast. Yeah, we hate that. <laughs> we absolutely of all stripes. Any veterinarian, <laughs> you have a big hole to dig out of before you are. Also, you, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Is all I'm saying. But um, yeah. I think it's like we do as a profession aspire to that, but um, you know, this is maybe the get, you know, the get out of jail free card. It's like the people who actually get to make the decisions usually are the people bringing the money, right? The people who are going to own it. And they often have different agendas. Um, and you know, I, I'd like to think like the firm I work for now, um, it, you know, they really do. That's a huge priority. Uh, is the fun, the humanity. And I think what good architects do well is find a way to say, hey, like, you know, we only have so much fun money. We only have, there's only so much we can do to go above and beyond. Let's be really tactical with that. Right. Like, let's let's stretch those dollars and, and do something that's going to have the biggest impact. And then find the places where we can cut corners that aren't going to really the average person living there isn't going to care about. Um, I think that's good architecture. Oftentimes it's, it's balancing yeah. those priorities really well and making spaces. People are going to like, like to actually be in. Yeah. Like cutting corners, like, you know, what, why do the toilet and the shower and the sink and the kitchen sink, why do they all have to be different pipes? Like, can that just be one big pipe? Like that's the type of stuff that is efficiency. Like that- next level thinking that really changes lives okay well okay so while we're on the aesthetic thing and we do have other stuff that we want to talk about but now i'm sort of getting interested because um you know i think you and i have talked ourselves about you know why cars look so bad and why cars look like shit now and they all look the same and they look like suppositories or famously in the in the case of the tesla car they look like i have said they look like a logitech gaming mouse (laughs) um and it's no fun but i think we've said we have said we have noticed jake and you and i in our discussions about this that there is a return to the boxy aesthetic like like the the new the new uh bronco is sort of like a little boxy like i think there's it's sort of coming around um and to my satisfaction but would do so do you anticipate would you say in like 20 years like when like you know uh we're gentrifying the uh you know we're gentrifying like the the death the valley space yeah exactly um like will the is it, is it going to look the same is it going to be the same lego boxes or do you see an, an aesthetic uh transition or revolution happening or are we are we resistant to those forces now is it just is it just everything going to look the same forever cuz this is a future podcast i want to know what the future is going to look like and if it's going to look bad uh in a, the same way or a different way? Mm, yeah, interesting. Uh, good questions. I would say that it will not we look like We know you have access to secret documents. <laughs> I think it's like a lot of what drove, like there's a really interesting like technical aspect to this um, in a way where, you know, maybe it's it's my like short-sightedness because it's like the same thing must apply in cars, right? where what is driving them to be on average uglier now is like a regulation about the headlight height that makes them too tall or like, you know, you have to have six lights all down the side of the, you know, I'm sure they're fighting those so same it's onerous battles, government like, regulation. 
<laughs> but like Speaking, you know, like no, to I'm your sorry. point though, like please the, continue. <laughs> things succeed in spite of that, right? And I yes, think that'll yes, still totally. be the case in architecture. But I, I think the future of architecture will certainly look different than it does today. But I don't think it'll look anything like the past. I don't think we're gonna have that retro revolution because I feel like in cars it's less about material and it's more about shape. And I think in a lot of ways with architecture, it is very material. It is very expressive where it's like the way you would construct a, a brick wall where it was just solid load-bearing masonry and you could basically stack these things like, you know, Lincoln log, like bricks and create any sort of shape you want because it's just one big block of clay at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Now all that brick is a thin sheet that's hung with these little hangers off a wall with the substrate then has to be anchored back to something that's seismically stable and like the factors at play are so different and we're we should just stop doing us. that and go back to the old way do lincoln logs it's pot again <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i think and if a I'm few houses to have to fall down eh. i think if i was going to make my my big play the future of architecture will be more underground that okay futurist take Okay, all right. This is the last thing I wanted to ask you before we move into our last thing, um, the last thing before the last thing, which is um, uh, if you could build yourself a house of any kind, what type of house would it be? Would you go underwater? Would you go Sea Lab 2021 treehouse? Would you go uh, desert, um, um, your, like desert sand uh, snake style? Would you go... Would you go scorpion king style yeah um would crab you go people? huh <laughs> crab, crab people. people yeah would you go crab people uh, <laughs> what's your oh, let's, man. let's get jake's ideal build let's get the your jake's ideal cribs build real quick i've been kind of vibing on the, the victorian thing lately though no i mean really okay, I, there's so, something about me that loves brick like i would you're I going would brick? have a sick brick like kind of sick brick classically styled three flat in the heart of a good city like that that's what i would want and i probably wouldn't want to build a new building i'd probably want to buy an old one um but if i had to build new maybe i'd go crab space people in the desert <laughs> well which one yeah would you go underground or would you go treehouse go hybrid i gotta have it all no maybe yeah, underground, underground would be treehouse cool. i think i could get down with underground and some solar tubes yeah that sounds sick i don't know what that is but it sounds dope i would pay for, <laughs> i would pay for it um, Come, okay. coming coming well, to a city near you. Yeah, I, go ahead, Max. Well, yeah, before we go to the last thing, I had one kind of tangential question about that too. But I'm curious about like it's kind of to what uh, Jonah was saying before. But like I feel like in a lot of I don't know, like the old sci-fi movies and even like the the newer sci-fi movies, there's like sort of an aesthetic there of like the way things look, both with like the buildings, like it it applies to both like the like the nice like quote nice buildings and like old sci-fi which is like super minimalist and kind of like looks like an apple um you know an apple store and then also like if you think of like you know blade runner and shit like the the slums like what they kind of look like there's this aesthetic that reappears over and over again in like sci-fi and like i'm curious like what you think about that because i feel like in some ways it's never happened but then in other ways it's kind of is happening like we see it like with the teslas or we see it with like some of the new building design and stuff and 
I don't know. I'm just like, if you want to rant on it, like it's, it's been a thing that seems like it reappears over time, but like it hasn't quite made it in like the real world, but it sort of has as well. That's a great question. And to piggyback on that, like, cause I feel like when Blade Runner was like a thing or like the original Blade Runner, it was very just like piggybacking off of like what Tokyo looked like, like kind of like, or Hong Kong, like dense and lots of neon signs and like, like there was like a business on the fourth floor of a high rise and there was just like everything was just crowded and jumbled and bright and messy um and i feel like that was like inspo and i'm guessing i would be curious in addition to that it was like is what are what are architects imbibing that's giving them inspo now are architects are architects or 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 are people what is the inspo is it dark souls is it neon genesis evangelion is it is it is it ace of cakes um like what are we because i feel like it's like whatever the the people who create built environments are inspired by or at least uh at least the people who create media are inspired by certain uh other media yeah no i definitely think it's like i feel like one of the ones is like the idea of the touch screen and like this like mm. sci-fi trope of like uh oh what is it uh i'm i'm terrible at minority report and stuff yes of course the classic yes. where it's like you know you're sliding all of these uh viewers at home i'm waving my hands in front of my face yeah, wildly, like his hands around just just so you have the mental image here but you know i feel like some of those things have come to pass and largely by force of like how they've been reinforced over the years in media and like become something people have wanted because they've seen it so much right i don't know that that's quite held true for architecture um i think in a lot of ways that it, it's to your earlier questions where it's like i think what architects want or what they're inspired from and drawing from for the future is the past is things that are more contextual and sort of like undoing some of the bad that's found its way into like the general design language whether we'll be successful in that, you know, who knows? And then there's yeah, always exactly. the people pushing. I feel like there are the science fiction lovers out there, the Zaha Hadids, the people that are doing these like extremely forward looking, organic sort of future shapes um, that sort of almost defy, you know, anything that looks like human in scale or <laughs> material. Um, so I think it's all happening. I mean, it's such a cool, broad space. Um, I don't know that anyone exactly wants the grungy urban future Tokyo slums um, <laughs> as their aspirational goal, but I definitely think density mm? is is here to stay, and uh, we're going to have denser and hopefully or nicer cities uh, in the future. Um, well, that's a great segue into our last little thing, uh, talking about denser, nicer cities. Um, New York for certain a certain mind is dense enough damn it and there's been a proposition which you know I think a lot of people uh, maybe scoffed at but that I I I want to I want to believe and I want to take seriously um and it's the proposition to just slap another 250 mile kind of uh schlong onto the end of Manhattan um by means of just a building out like like compacting earth out into the bay um and just bit making it why not have more city um think like that island they built off of dubai but just like on yeah. the bottom of 
Battery Park. <laughs> yes, exactly. Jake, do you know the one that I'm talking about, or that or rather that Mac just mentioned that they did in Dubai of like the giant palm tree island? <laughs> I've seen I've seen some photos of it. I actually don't know much about it other than it looks it's got a look. It looks pretty stupid, but in the same way, <laughs> it's just like kind of like what can we say? Because like they the Emiratis are literally terraforming their their environment uh, to their needs, um, and there is been a proposition that was making some some waves recently about uh, adding like a huge um, uh, just a huge extension to to the bottom of manhattan like max said like off battery park um i would say making waves might be overstating i think it was one professor who this is his pet project but well no it is his pet project but a bunch of people were getting were on twitter like (laughs) getting mad at him and saying this is stupid or saying this isn't stupid um so yeah i guess uh, yeah you're right it's not exactly like you know the biden administration is not like huddling into the war room deciding what 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 they're going to do about this but it is true that and again for i'm referencing an article that was in a dazine on uh, january 18th and the title is manhattan island extension could provide homes for a quarter of a million people so yeah like you said mac there's a rutgers professor jason barr who's proposed adding 1760 acres of reclaimed land land named new manhattan to the tip of manhattan to provide housing and combat climate change uh jake where do you stand on on terraforming manhattan and creating um 1700 acres of new downtown real estate for uh project managers to go uh, give each other chlamydia at bars well, just for the record i'm pro climate <laughs> change and um, yeah, <laughs> I, I just <laughs> no, very good, very I, good. you know, this is a funny one because uh, I feel like a lot of this is reactionary. Um, not well, not only to just like what's happening in the world, but specifically to kind of like the impact of Hurricane Sandy. Uh, in, yeah. In some of the events of 2012, I think. 20, was it actually 2012? To, yeah. yeah. 10 years ago. Exactly. Just, was that also the title of the like blockbuster? It was world ending movie. So hey, there you go. Almost when did happened. that come um, out though? But what's funny is since then, I feel like if you went to any architecture school or any like architecture graduate program in the years since then, there's been a final student project that looks exactly like this at every right. school for every year ever since. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's actually like kind why don't of we a sound listen to idea. them? We need to listen to the to the to the third year architects the. In, those darn youths state but no there's like actually some merit uh to the to the underlying idea not necessarily the specifics i thought what was well, interesting yeah, why, about right? this why not? article well so what was interesting about this article if i remember from a quick skim was that this proposal and that they're specifically referencing was actually put forth by an economics professor okay so we can basically discard it um immediately <laughs> any uh, uh Well, so, like, that sort of colors, I feel like, the angle here, which is, like, new business, downtown, high-rise, corporate, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But the idea of, like, actually... professor, damn it. Okay, never mind. The idea of, like, adding resiliency and, like, a more robust and flexible, like, coastline, I think it, like, one, is really pertinent and 
actually should and probably hopefully will happen. And like, I think at least in Manhattan, I don't know about the rest of Brooklyn, there's like an organization that was formed to this end uh, called the Lower Manhattan Coastal Resiliency like group or something. And I believe they've actually even secured funding to do a very tiny version of this, uh, which is building new land like over water that's to then act as a buffer for like swelling tides and dramatic weather events. Uh, so it's not all make-believe, uh, you know, stuff in, in our colleges, doctrinating our youths. <laughs> Did the youths have become radicalized on uh, just building, uh, building uh, uh, false, false island extensions? They've, they've, <laughs> they've become drunk on the power of, of engorging our peninsulas. Next thing you know, they're going to want to increase the surface area of Florida by fifty percent, and that is going to be the cause of the of of the new civil war. Well, I mean, funnily enough, though, like this historically is nothing new. Like, right? Like, I think San well, right, Francisco Lower Manhattan sh- is like was basically is like half built on just garbage. All of the cities we've talked about, San Francisco, where I'm living now, a, a big swath of like downtown Chicago, and you know, New York, Manhattan, a lot of it is basically backfilled, newly created landmass. Um, it, it's a thing that people have been doing for a long time. It works pretty well, actually. Right. So why? Yeah. So and, and, to, and to be serious for a minute, it's like um, I feel like it's something that it's it kind of says something about like how kind of exhausted I feel like we feel like we are in modern America that like a proposal like this is like you know not to say that it is even ex- explicitly a good idea on its on its specific merits but it's just like oh everyone's like ahaha yeah absurd but it's just like no we used to kind of do shit like this all the time um in terms of like just like oh if the needs of usually if it was like the needs of the richest industrialists uh to do something probably horrible but if they needed it it would get done like in terms of like you know sculpting the earth say um not necessarily that it was a good thing paris you know right uh, he said oh this giant city it'd be really cool if there was boulevards running right down the middle of it and bulldoze like 250 like 20,000 buildings like yeah displaced and unhoused like 300,000 people and now they've got really nice wide alleyways you know yeah, nice boulevards very so cute I, think of how cute I, in, a, in a way that like those historic kind of monumental um like city changes kind of they don't really happen as much anymore other than the new cities they're building in China perhaps but yeah where they're just there. like a new city of 20 million people just comes into existence in the span of like 6 months um, because it's like the esports capital of China or something. Um, well, also related, Jake, wasn't there a story, an anecdote? I think you told me a while ago about that Chicago like reversed the flow of uh the river to like send all their sewage down downstate to Iowa or something. You betcha. Yeah. No, they 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 were like, hey, all this waste, all this terrible stuff we're putting in this river, it's going right into the lake where we're getting our drinking water. What if we could just make that someone else's problem? <laughs> and they they dredged it. I mean, so like, they like, this is like Pan- Panama Canal style stuff. They were like, Earth, like natural forces, forget them. We're, we're making our problems someone else's. Boom. Flipped the direction, the flow of the river, and made it made it someone someone else's waste issue. 
See, that's what we need to do. We need to reinvigorate that notion, that that spirit of making our problems someone else's problems in a bold and vigorous <laughs> way. So I think New Manhattan, New Manhattan, I'm I'm in favor. Well, it's also funny. So it's New Manhattan. Apparently, I th- this is how just so out of line I am. I didn't know Manhattan was based off of a Native American word. Yeah, he was saying that this was like a you know a tribute to the Native American. Yeah, in a perverse way it is because yeah, I think <laughs> the word Manhattan comes from like a pow I think the the Native Americans who lived uh in the area that is now New York City were called like the the Powhatan, at least uh, a part of one tribe of them was. And Manhattan was a word that uh had a specific meaning that I cannot recall specifically now. Um <laughs> typically yeah you can assume if something sounds weird it was the either it was the dutch the freaky deaky dutch who who lent us that um that little slice of life uh, or it was the native americans that we just finally drove out um but i don't know in this case yeah if we're gonna do something cool and uh life you know sort of uh sort of challenges what we think is possible um you might as well name it after the native americans i mean they were the ones who sort of uh were working it out and having a having a you know not dying from climate apocalypse here so if we were going to do something to fix or at least redress the climate change disaster it'd be cool to name it after them because i feel like if you really want to trace it back climate change is kind of the fault of the dutch anyway because the dutch invented capitalism in yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, this but... whole proposal, <laughs> this whole proposal, though, you know, is funny through the lens of like this uh, finance professor. And uh, but I, you know, there is like a nugget of good of good stuff in here that we that you don't need to be overly cynical about. I think, um, and it's it's not the new business district. It's you know the actual like idea of parks and like using man's ingenuity in our in our resources taking something that's waste like you know trash or backfill creating something new and making us less prone to these disasters which you know that's a that's a band-aid on the symptom right it's not it's not fixing the problem but it's good nonetheless so jake what do you think of population control no, sorry. That's uh, that's for our other podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's podcast. for uh, that's yeah, for maybe our we Patreon save that only. No, <laughs> um, and I think it is right that Jake, you remind us that this is guy is just like a, a kind of, uh, unfortunately, an econ professor at Rutgers because he does say the following, which is, um, I think, just a very classic example of econ, uh, um, um, economics brain or economist brain, where he says. Quote, Lower Manhattan is some of the most valuable and important real estate in the world. Why not produce more of it? If the city is going to spend billions on flood walls, why not also try to get more housing out of it as well? Um, you know, latter point makes sense. But the notion of just like something is really valuable. Let's just like build more of it into the ocean. He also, um, he also says at the end, he's like, if you crunch the numbers, it makes sense. But then he doesn't crunch the numbers. Well, yeah, he's not going to crunch the numbers. He's asking you to crunch the numbers. It's 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 like if you crunch the numbers, it makes sense. Question mark. But they left out the question mark of the. Well, if, if we're gonna just you know, and and what I've heard is the spirit of the show just wildly speculate uh, and not not do the crunching either. 
Right. Uh, I think some version of this will happen uh, at some point. Uh, and, uh, you know, whether it follows his vision or I think Bjark Ingels has even had his own little flair and his own kind of thoughts on this. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out, but I'm, I'm curious. I, th- I think there's something to it. Yeah, I think like, you know, buying real estate in the metaverse, buying real estate that's right now in the middle of the, of the you know, the bay between Staten Island and Brooklyn uh, and, you know, registering for a liquor license so you can start the first bar in, in New Manhattan. That's where the smart money's at. Sell your cryptocurrency, buy Ocean. Yeah, you can't, sorry you got, be, you got... Jeff Bezos' space reef instead of the Astro Lounge, but at least <laughs> <laughs> you can take we'll solace. Take um, well, Jake, do you have uh, you have anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't hit so far in this little uh, you know smorgasbord of disastrous slash nice content that we've talked about? No, this has been cool. It's been fun chatting. Um, uh, always good stuff to talk about. I feel like half of these, you know, you, we could spin off and and jab about for an hour uh and maybe maybe we will someday who can yeah. say um i guess in terms of you probably don't i don't know if you have anything to plug well you should we should everyone should follow jake on instagram uh to see his futuristic um uh things that spring from his spring from the forehead of of uh of uh you know evangelion itself uh in the form of jake's cool drawings and, and sketches uh that's in sarah inc on ig hit it up um hey you, you plugged you plugged it for me yeah if you want to just see some wacky drawings uh cars heads <laughs> buildings who knows cat catch me there cool man um all right well i guess we can we can uh wrap a little bow on it for now uh maybe you know we'll have more to say in the future uh as a uh, you know we keep building this tower of babel uh <laughs> of ours uh, we'll have Jake on again, but uh, in the meantime, I guess we we can call it there. What do you say? Uh, what is it we all say here in in San Francisco? I forget the catchphrase, but yeah, signing off from from the lovely West Coast. <laughs> Cheers! All right, guys, see you next time.